When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, before we get started, just want to take a quick moment to thank Deer Cam Coffee and Yeti for everything they do to help keep us awake and energized for the whole show to keep you guys entertained. Make sure you subscribe and stick around to all Boner Plant stuff so you can get into chances to win things. And uh, hey, let's have some fun. The BHP Podcast is presented by BowhunterPlanet.com. Join the hunt. Support for the Bowhunter Planet podcast is provided by HHA Sports, Cold Steel Knives, Scott Archery, Burris Optics, Element Outdoors, Reveal Cellular Trail Cams, Deer Cam Coffee. Additional support is provided by Yeti. Hey guys, welcome to the BHP Podcast. Myself, Dave Thomas, along with Matt Corman from the ATA Show, or Archery Trade Association. Uh, Matt, how are you? Doing great, Dave. Really appreciate you having me back. Uh, been a long time since we talked in Indy in January. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, so obviously the news came out. No, not a good thing, right? Everybody's sad about it. People really love the Archer Trade Association show. Um, and you know, one of the reasons uh, we want to have you on today is just so that you guys could speak from your perspective on kind of what happened, what's going to happen now. You know, I think there's a lot of questions in, in re, you know in regards to this. Um, so I guess I'll let you just kind of go for it uh, and, and tell us what you would, I guess, first off, what, what happened, how did it come to this? Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, like any big decision, it was super complicated and, and we had to take into account all sorts of different perspectives and input. And I think, you know, it's pretty obvious we're not alone in this, uh, you know, virtually every trade event in every industry has, has been canceled or significantly adjusted uh, in some way as a result of what we've all been going through for the last seven months. Um, you know, we really started when everything kind of locked down in March, we took a look at all sorts of different possibilities that might occur all the way, you know, through next March, we looked forward about a year. Uh, and, and we decided at that time, we needed to, we needed to wait, as you know, there was a lot of panic going on, people didn't know if their businesses could be open. Lots of states were confused about who they were shutting down and why they were shutting down. Businesses were open that uh, that that didn't know they couldn't be. Um, all, there was tons of confusion last March. I think there's still some confusion now, for sure. Um, but we decided to wait. Normally, we would have started in about April or May, really kind of ramping up and seeing who wanted to come and exhibit at the show. We held that off until July. Uh, and and made a decision in the summer that we wanted to find out if exhibitors wanted to come. And by and large, we got a massive response. Uh, that told us to find out, okay, do, do pro shops want to come? Do retailers want to come to the show? So we opened that process up uh, in September. We got a big response there too. Now it was down quite a bit um, from the last couple of years, the retailer response was, but it was still strong uh, compared to what we expected. Um, but then as things kind of evolved here in the last, really in the last three weeks, um, as I said, we had to take everything into account. And, and the more we learned, the more we realized uh, we were really not going to be able to have an archery trade show. Uh, it was just not going to happen based on, on what everybody had come to expect. 
and we could not provide the things that that I think especially buyers, retailers, pro shops would want to see when they came to the show. Um, it didn't really come down to one single factor. It could not have. It, way too complex a decision. And, and ultimately, uh, with our leadership team on staff and, and the 20 board members, and it was a very challenging conversation over the course of a couple of weeks, um, we, we came ultimately to the conclusion that the best chance of success for Louisville in 2022 uh, was to just hit pause and, and not try and bring everybody together, uh, you know, in, in two and a half months here in Indy. Um, I think that also gives us the best chance to continue doing the things that we've been really aggressively trying to do with the show to make it an event that that our members and the bow hunting and, and archery community want to attend. Um, could we have moved it? Not, not really. Uh, I mean, it takes five to seven, sometimes 10 years to plan an event where you're going to bring seven, eight, nine, 10,000 people into a city. Um, moving it was not an option. Uh, we've had a lot of folks ask, well, okay, just change the dates, move it later. Well, now think back to the first thing I said, which is that literally every trade show has canceled. Um, all of those folks are trying to find dates later and later in the year. It's just not an option for us uh, to, to move those dates. They're simply not available. Um, so it was, a, it was a super hard decision. I think everybody involved in the decision, if you just asked you know, from the heart, what's the decision? Well, we're going to go have a show. We all want to go have a show. But when you take a look at everything that was involved, and everything that led up, especially just in the last few weeks, um, uh, you know, the, the head prevails and, and had to make that that incredibly difficult decision. Yeah, I, I think uh, I think the decision is extremely complex. I think that anybody for anybody to say that this is all oh, this is crazy, blah, blah, blah. This decision, uh, like you said, it takes in a lot of considerations. You're talking the dealers, the buyers, the media. There's the, the, you know, the companies themselves have to decide whether they can get people there to do it. Um, there's the travel part of it. There's the living part of it. There is the um, show venue part of it. I mean, there's a lot of things involved in the cities, right? In the city of Indy, what their rules are. And, and you know, not to mention, you know, going in that show and having to wear a mask the whole time, which would be kind of hard to do, especially for media. It would just be very difficult scenario and not really comfortable, I don't think, compared to what we're used to. When we think ATA, you think you got the the Badlands Film Fest. You have, I mean, there's so many things going on uh, based around that show that it's not just the show. You have all these side things going on of all the companies who bring their teams together, and it's it's just it's a huge huge undertaking. And uh, obviously, it would have taken a lot. I, I I personally felt like this was going to happen only because not from you got your guys's perspective but mainly from the city's perspectives and the rules and the government what's going to happen i mean there's so many questions uh and this thing is like i feel like no one really knows what this virus is going to do in the end i mean if every time you think you're going it's going down it starts going back up you know so i mean it's just all this crazy stuff so i guess my other question would be with this is what do you think will be the fallout from this what is going to happen now yeah uh fortunately let me let me tell you the question I get asked almost every time I start a conversation, which is, how are you doing or how's the ATA doing? And my response has become, you know, I think better than we ought to be, quite frankly. Um, the the organization ATA, the the leadership that came certainly before me, but a lot of our leadership team has been here for 10 years or more. The board members who've been serving for, oh my goodness, sometimes 10, 15, 20 years, that group of folks going back 20 years spent an enormous amount of effort to build up 
this organization to a point where it could do the best job possible at withstanding just about any challenge. Um, and so we're actually in pretty good shape. Um, we've got a show that I think folks pretty much want to attend. Uh, we've got programs and services that I think are important and, and recognized as valuable uh, to the industry and, and to, the, to the shooters that we serve and try and help. Um, I, we're, so at the outset of this conversation, I'll say we're, in, you know, we're probably in better shape than we ought to be. The reality is no matter what we did, Dave, we were going to alienate some folks. Had we yeah, held the show, no we were already starting to hear that from folks that um, they were concerned with the decision that we were going to continue to hold it. Now that we, now that the decision has formally been made to cancel, of course we're hearing from those folks. There are some folks in this in the, in the middle of that who might have been on the fence. Who you know until you make a decision, there they don't even know where they yeah. stand, whether they would be be comfortable coming or upset that they can't come, uh, or upset with the with the restrictions that you put in place for them to come. So, I. I think that there's a real bright light here, which is that hit and pause allows us to, to really take an opportunity to do two things. First, to prove to our members that ATA is more than just a trade show. Uh, and we have been forever, but it, we've been so focused on the trade show. Our members have been so focused on the trade show that sometimes that, that the other things that we do get lost in the shuffle. Uh, but secondarily, I think, as I mentioned before, it gives us an opportunity to do a better job with the show gives us a little more runway for 22 uh, to help continuing the evolution. We had some really cool stuff, brand new stuff planned mm -hmm. for 21 that we're not gonna get to execute in 21, but our commitment is that we're gonna bring those and more to 22. Uh, and, and I've got every confidence that we'll be able to do that. Yeah, that's uh, that's a good thing. I, I guess my other question with this would be is this, does this change something for you guys? Does it give you some sort of opportunity that might not have normally been there for online? Is this going to, I mean, is there a way for you guys to create zoom meetings for dealers to talk with, you know, and kind of be that middleman that kind of what you are now, just instead of this year, I'm talking about this year, I'm not saying for every year, but maybe who knows, maybe it could turn into something that give you and be another option as well. So I, I, now I got to bring you back to March and April when we first started going, oh my goodness, what are we going to do? Uh, one of those options that became very clear was we had to have some backup plan that did not include getting together in person. Um, and, and very early on in that process, we, we figured out that we needed to have that available, even if we did come together to have a show. Mm -hmm. We knew there was going to be a significant percentage of our members who probably wouldn't feel comfortable coming or couldn't come. You know, uh, we've got states now that are quarantining. If you travel state to state, if you return, you're, you know, you've got a test and quarantine for two weeks or whatever it is. You know, I think Chicago has, has new restrictions out specific to Indiana um, just in the last couple of weeks as well. Uh, so we, we were trying to take that into account very early on. So the upshot is, you know, we're not trying to do all this in the last two and a half months. It's been in process. I'll tell you, overall, around virtual events, what we've learned, we've seen it firsthand. I used to work for a company that, that produced those things along with in-person meetings and trade shows. Um, everybody that you talk to who's been involved in that, whether they participated, put on a show, or provided that kind of technology, comes out saying, yeah, it was okay, um, which is not a real resounding endorsement of the whole virtual platform option. Um, and so we've taken that to heart, too. And, and we're trying to take into account what we know about our members and what we think that they'll want and how we think that they'll consume things. First of all, we're not gonna ask folks to go to a different website and log in and do all that stuff. They're gonna go to their member portal. They're gonna log in just like they log in into ata.org uh, and 
and uh, they'll be able to find the education that they would be able to get at the show. By the way, we were gonna do that anyway. We've already been talking to the educators who are gonna bring content to the show to ensure that we could have that available for them. Um, we're talking to specific manufacturers about you know, potential, uh, potential show date only specials during a virtual run. And then we'll expand a bit of the exhibitor and retailer, the, the buying selling platform that we've had uh, so that um, exhibitors and especially for product launches and, and availability of different types of products, uh, evolution of products from year over year, they can showcase those a little bit and give retailers, buyers an opportunity to figure out how to, how to best contact those folks. Um, what we have learned really specifically is when somebody tries to get in the middle of that selling process, the sales cycle, and put those two folks together, that's where a lot of it breaks down. So we're going to try and do a better job of just giving the information about how to communicate and, and then letting those, especially those well-established sales forces who are already out in the field selling, do their jobs and let the buyers do their jobs. We know that retailers are really struggling right now getting stuff on the shelves. We know that there's got to be a pathway to restocking and buying new product. And, and we're going to try and, and, and find the balance there of giving buyers an opportunity to buy while sellers still can use mm -hmm. whatever they want from us to sell. Yeah. Yeah. And that can get complicated too. <laughs> like you're yeah. saying, that's not another easy method compared to what you guys have normally been doing. So, um, so let's talk about Bow Hunters United, something new yeah. that's actually a very positive caveat in all this. Um, something you guys have, you guys came to us about, I don't know, maybe in August and saying that you wanted to launch this new program and uh, it was going to be 10 one. It was very exciting to hear and, and, and very exciting that you guys, you know, engaged with us to get going on it. Cause I love uh, collaborations. I think it's really important in the industry, but so Bow Hunters United, tell us about the new program. Yeah. Again, you know, in the same way that it takes five to seven years to plan a trade show, you don't start something like this uh, when you, when you think there might be a hiccup in your future, because by then it's way too late. <laughs> um, this really started, Oh my goodness, almost three years ago when we started looking at, strategic planning for the organization and and what what kind of what kind of gaps were we needing to fill what was missing um, mm -hmm. what could we do that would better serve the archery and bow hunting industry while also helping bring in especially new bow hunters because that's the as you know that's the vast yeah. majority of the industry um, but also kind of reinvigorate um, those existing bow hunters so it really started with strategic planning almost three years ago. And then in August of 18, uh, we launched a, a feasibility study. Um, we contracted with somebody to go out uh, and figure out, uh, was there a need for an organization like this? And if there was, could it be created without, without putting too much pressure on the organizations that were already in place? We didn't want to hurt existing conservation organizations for sure. We didn't want to hurt anybody out there that that might say, boy, this is, this is a big competitor uh, to us. And, and I think we've found that niche. I'm confident that we have, you know, we're looking at partnering with those folks rather than competing with them. Uh, uh, you know, it, and I think the timing really couldn't be better. Um, we have more folks getting out into the woods now than ever before. Licensed sales are spiking in virtually every state. Harvest records, uh, I, I don't remember the state, I'm sorry, but there was, there's a state kind of near me here in Georgia that um, that recorded in a youth weekend for turkey season, uh, I think as many harvests as they normally had in a, in the entire spring season. That's um, crazy. I mean, people are getting out there and, and it's terrific. So an organization like this that can, that can help advocacy, 
um, that can help with community, that can you know per perhaps help uh, with mentoring. Where you know we found you know QDMA skill the fork program is second to none. Can we can we somehow kind of cross promote that uh, and bring more mentors so that we can bring up more bow hunters? Um, there, I think there's a lot of opportunity here specific to bow hunters. It's been uh, it's been untouched for a while, and and again, I think the timing is 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 just perfect for us right now. The incredibly incredibly strong industry sales that we're seeing, virtually every archery industry manufacturer is having at least a record quarter, if not a record year, based on all those new hunters getting out into the woods. Um, and and you know that effort, the Bow Hunters United effort, is really, I mean, it's a standalone effort. Uh, it it doesn't really doesn't really matter if the ATA has a trade show or not. This thing is up and running. The vast majority of the heavy lifting behind it has been done over the last uh, over the last couple of years. Um, so it's up and running. It's ready to go. Uh, bowhuntersunited.com, bowhuntersunited on all the social platforms uh, is a great place to start. See, see who that organization is and what it does. I think, I know I've been going on here for a minute, but David, give me one more second. I think it's super important to note that while the ATA is attached to this thing right now, um, the purpose of this is, is for the industry to stand up the organization and then get out of its way. Uh, it needs to get started somehow, um, but this is not the ATA putting a leash around this thing and running it like the industry wants to run it in perpetuity. That's just not the intent. Uh, we need to get it out there, see if there's a desire and a need for it, and we think that there is, uh, and then once it kind of learns to walk, uh, let it let it run on its own and, and let it govern itself and 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 have industry get out of the way. But to stand it up uh, takes considerable effort, and that's a, you know a, a considerable gift from the industry to bow hunters. Yeah, I think it's awesome. I think it looks great. I think it's going to be very helpful for the industry to have that. Um, and it, it I think it's one of those things where you have something of that uh, complexity, but you need something like that for hunters to grab onto and, 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 uh, believe in and be a part of, cause I think it's very helpful, uh, the ideas behind it. And if you go to the website, uh, Bowhunters United, you guys can see yourself, like what it's about, how it works, uh, conservation efforts, things of that nature. It's very important. I think that people, um, research it themselves, especially if you're interested in that and, and get into it. But, um, yeah, I think it's a good idea. I think you guys are going to really uh, crush that one. And, and hopefully, I like the idea, like what you're saying is at some point it's going to be its own thing and it's not going to be attached. I think it's really important. Like you said, let it govern itself and become what it becomes because obviously um, having it separate is very helpful, I think, in the end. But um, yeah, so uh, besides all that, Matt, how's everything else going personally? You doing all right? Boy, like I said, probably better than I ought to be. Uh, <laughs> I, I actually kind of like that that question because the the answer, um, the further into this we get, you know, fam family is good. My daughter's a senior in high school and enjoying that senior year in person, and you know, kind of crazy that we're going to be empty nesters soon. But uh, you know, in the same way that that we think about the industry and trade show and Bowhunters United and all of these things and 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 what these last seven months have done to change all that, I'm I'm also kind of you know, seeing her getting ready to go off to college tells me, it just reminds me just about every day about what there is in the future for us um, and, and kind of brings everything full circle, brings it back home. That, that's really helped keep me grounded. Um, and, and again, as much as the decision was really painful and, and I think hard to arrive at for ATA around, around Indy 21, um, I, I feel like we, I think the most important thing I can say is I feel like we did the right thing. I go back seven months ago and I think about all of the decision points that we hit to get to that board meeting where that vote was taken. 
I don't know, Dave, how we could have done anything different or better that would have gotten us to a different outcome. I think the ultimately, unfortunately, the right decision was made. I don't like it, but I think it was the right decision that we made in the right way for the right reasons. Yeah, personally, I think this is the first thing that's happened in the industry this year that kind of like, oh, we're touched by this too, you know? Cause like the industry has been pretty like almost growing. Uh, our yeah. Instagram's out of control. Our, our Everything we've done has been so high this year, higher than normal. And uh, people are hunting more, like you said, it's just, it's really an amazing thing for hunting. But I think this for the industry of bow hunting was the first thing that says, whoa, something. <laughs> <laughs> this is not normal, right? This is the first time we've been touched, I think, as a, as a uh, industry with the ATA show not happening. Um, sad to say, but it is what it is. Yep. And the other two things I want to throw in there is just, you know, one of the things ATA did this year uh, earlier on, and I, I would love for you guys to get back to and do more of is like media summits, um, learning summits. I, I, these are all online things. But um, to be honest, no one ever asked the media people as much. And I think ATA is the perfect venue for these things, you know, because you guys can bring people together. You have the dealers, you have the, the media people, uh, but no one ever asked us, like, what are you seeing in the media? Like, what are people buying from your perspective? What are they asking about? What are they, what are they into? Are they, do they still talk about speed? Do they talk about feel and grip and comfort? No one really asked that to us. We usually say it in our videos, but no one's really asking. And I feel like that's something that, that, you know, bow manufacturers should be hearing from a perspective of all of us, you know, like, what are you, what are you hearing from these other, you know, media outlets? Like, what are people asking for? A lot of times you'll do a video and you'll have people on there commenting, you know, when are you going to do the elite bow? Or when are you going to do the, the APA bow? Or when are you going to do the, you know? And so it's like, so obviously they're asking for that, you know? So it's like, those are the comments that I think the dealers need to hear and, and see and, you know, recognize that that stuff's going on. And and the other thing, the other note is <clears throat> media to media, you know, what are you doing that's working? What are we doing that's working? What are, you know, what could we, how can we all help grow archery? And I mean, this, I think this is a great year for it because of this. Um, not that you guys aren't busy already, but if you, if now you have more time, this would be a couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This would be the something to put the team on to start work out because I do feel there's a lot of opportunity in, in just the talk of growth of archery in general. Um, who, how can we help? What can we do? Who can be involved? How do we do it? Those are the questions that need to be pushed, especially now, now that we know, uh, the, that the sales are higher, they're higher in Michigan, they're higher in every state that, like you said, I've seen, um, we know that people are buying more equipment. I've talked to manufacturers and they said they're selling out like crazy. And it's just because of the spike of COVID there's nothing else to do. And now people can get outside and learn to hunt. I mean, that's crazy. That's pretty cool. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, a couple thoughts on that. I, you know, we talk about how well the industry is doing, which which also which also makes it really kind of confusing that we we got to a point where we canceled the trade show. If the industry is doing so well, if sales are going so well, if manufacturers are six months out on production times, um, which we've heard from some, uh, especially the the OEM folks, um, I mean, it's a it's amazing how strong things have been. So there's. It, it, that made it, I think, all the more difficult to, to get to the decision we made. But relative to a media summit, um, you know, down the road, a shooter summit, uh, Bowhunters United takes off, and we can do something along those lines. From every constituency group, I think it makes sense. You know, if you look back to how, how ATA is behaving, especially uh, this year and, and in the last seven months, you know, we've really pivoted pretty quickly to being much more service-oriented, 
uh, you know, trying to educate retailers about how to take advantage of federal programs, federal assistance that can help bridge them through um, closures. Uh, print and shoot, we, 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 uh, one of our folks, Jill, created a coloring book for kids that store owners just went nuts for. Um, you know, all of those kinds of things that we've done differently, including a couple months ago, hosting our first ever uh, state of the industry um, uh, webinar. Uh, I, I think that that's a great example. All those are great examples of, of, of how willing we ought to be, and I think we are, to doing exactly what you're talking about and, and, and soliciting more feedback proactively, not just wait for you to come and say, hey, that's a good idea. Um, I don't know a single media entity out there in, in the Archie and bow hunting space that, that wouldn't want to see that happen. Uh, I think it's just, it's just now incumbent upon us to, to, to pull the trigger and make it happen. Yeah, I just I've always felt like if anybody could do it, ATA would be the the organization to do it. Just because you already have the whole thing interweb with your trade show, that you already have all the connections, you already have all that. All you have to do is just turn it on and say, "Hey, let's do this, let's do that." Sure. I mean, it doesn't hurt anything. It's just a helper, and it. And I think at the same time, I think it really, um, just it projects that you know what you guys are doing is really helping even more because you're able to host these events and you know even if they're online and and whatnot i was really excited about the in-person ones this year i'm not gonna lie like yeah uh, the the media stuff you guys were going to do this year was very exciting um so hopefully i'm assuming those those will come back when you guys you know bring back the show and when do you guys think you'll know more on the following year do you know uh when you guys will know more is that gonna be like mid next year or it's already you know, I think 90%, 95, maybe more percentage of that, higher percentage of that is out of our control, right? You yeah, know, good if point. You, if it's a good, that's kind of a good reminder to a point I wanted to make when I first started. Had, had we had this conversation three weeks ago, I'd have sat here and told you that I was 95% certain we were going to have a show. Yeah. <laughs> that's how quickly things evolved in the last few weeks. Um, I, I'm, I'm 100%, 99% on 2022 right now. Um, we need to see what happens with with businesses, with government regulations, with with a vaccine, with with yeah. who knows what yeah. um, between now and then. Uh, you know, we're we're full speed ahead. Um, I don't think we've seen the last outdoor recreation industry cancellation. Um, I don't think we've seen the last trade show cancellation across uh, across any industry. Um, uh, I'll be shocked if that's the case. We certainly weren't the first. I, there's no way we'll be the last. There was another one that came out, uh, the cancellation that came out the day after ours um, in the OR space. So uh, these are going to continue. Unfortunately, again, it sucks. Um, yeah. We wish it were something different. But uh, right now, I'm as confident as I was three weeks ago. But what, what these last three weeks have taught me is that we'll plan for a bunch of contingencies while really hoping that we get to the right point and holding the show in 22. I don't quite frankly, I mean, 15 months from now, I don't see what stops us. Yeah. All right, Matt Corman, our trade association. Thank you so much for coming on setting the record straight on what's going on. So people know uh, direct from you guys. And we look forward to what the ATA does, does do this year and next year, you know, in regards to the industry as a whole. Cause like I said, I, I do believe that um, it's the strongest organization out there when it comes to archery. So um, I know you guys do great things regardless. So thank you so much. Thanks a ton, Dave. Appreciate you having me back.
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.